Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Moving Spotlight Podcast. I changed it up because I'm in a new place, folks. I am outside remodeling on the House Avenue Corporate. What do you think of my new office? It's really good. It's actually really beautiful out there. There's, it's it's nice to be outside. I've noticed the past couple of days I haven't gone outside, so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, get, out, get, get out. outside. There's like a living wall behind me, folks. If you can't see it, if you can't picture, just picture it's like all these plants um and uh waterfalls and water fountains so um well i'm excited for today's show corbin i wanted to chat about something before we um, get to our, our wonderful guest uh you know we like to have kind of a fun interesting topic to start off with and this is something that's very relevant to everyone and i know i know that you do this i do this. i know everyone does this which is Order stuff from Amazon. So, Corbin, what's the most interesting thing you've or- – our guest made a face. What's the most interesting thing you've ordered from Amazon recently that, like, it can be frivolous, buddy. We all do it. I mean, you know, we get the staples, but you also get the fun stuff. Most interesting thing? The most recent thing Yeah, I did – I what was it? It was, it was a Tempur-Pedic cooling pillow. Um, but I returned it cause it wasn't very cool. <laughs> so it wasn't like I was, it was one of those like, like, um, what are they called? Like the concurve, like the one that you're supposed to sleep on your side and like have those it's supposed to cool and be nice. I've had a cooling yeah. pillow before and that worked, but this one, it just was like, it was yeah. just like a normal pillow that I spent a hundred dollars more. So I was like, I'm going to return this and get a different one. <laughs> so, so that was the most recent one. The coolest one. I, I I feel like no. Do you buy cool stuff on Amazon? I feel like I always just get like ridiculous things. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's what's something cool? Oh to yeah, do? I always buy like. Well, I buy like three things. I have to get like you know vitamins and yeah. and you know whatever like you know protein bars. But then I always like to get like a fun thing, even though I shouldn't. You know. Um. So the most recent thing I got that I really love, I have to look at it. It's a levitating bonsai, uh, levitating bonsai planter. Have you seen That's these, cool. Corbin? That's really uh, um, cool. And so they, there's, a, there's a block of wood, and then the planter is above it, and it levitates with magnets. So the planter is literally like three inches, uh, and it's rot- it rotates in a circle. So it's totally – it's on my desk. That's totally not so very cool. That's like – that's such a like it? interesting – so it's like just floating there. See, I don't do that, and I'm, I'm curious – I'm curious, like, who's your Amazon rep who's, like, watching all your orders? It's like, why is he ordering, like, Clorox wipes and magnet, <laughs> like, magnet stands? The suggestions I get are, are crazy. But you know what it is? <laughs> I also find there's, there's two kinds of people. There's the people who do, like, all the research, and they check every, like, the three-star reviews, yep. and they get, like, analysis paralysis, you know, and the thing is in their cart for, like, whatever, three weeks, blah, blah. I'm the opposite. I'm like, this looks cool. I order it. You know what I mean? And so I just, like, I see it. It's fun. I order it. So. Um, that's how I ended up with a floating bonsai, uh, bonsai tree, levitating bonsai. That's um, but check them out if you haven't, folks. They're very cool. I think they're they're pretty awesome. Uh, maybe they can sponsor us. Um, all right, I want to get to our, I want to get to our guest. I'm super super excited. Um, this is someone I met when I first moved to LA a long long not that long ago, and was wonderful then, still wonderful now. I want to introduce. Uh, vocal coach to the stars, Bob Garrett. <laughs> Bob Garrett. Hey, Bob. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing good. Good, good. How, do you have any fun, frivolous stuff you've ordered on Amazon, Bob, or or no? You know what I got? It arrived today is a sweater shaver. That's, oh, so I that was get awesome. rid of all of the pills, you know, the mm-hmm. pilling on a sweater. Yeah. This, this one sweater that I had bought like six months ago at Rag and Bone. 
and it's like pilling. And I said, what am I going to do about this? And my cleaner yeah. said, buy a sweater shaver. I actually, I actually ordered that on Amazon too. I got it like, yeah, like six months ago, but it, it's awesome. It works so well. Like it's like a new jacket I'm, or sweater. I'm excited beater. about it. That's amazing. It's so great. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a good purchase. So, um, Bob, we met a long, long time ago and I, you know, you're, you're one of my, the, the lovely people that I'm just so grateful to have met in LA. And I just kind of, we want to kind of jump in and, and chat a little bit just about, um, you and your vocal work. And I just am, am curious when, when did you first fall in love with, with singing and, and, and the voice? Well, when, I mean, I'll just give you the one example. My mother was an actress on Broadway and she took us to the theater when we were kids. And I was like three or four years old. And I didn't understand what Broadway was because I, I, I was a TV kid. So I said mm -hmm. to my mom, what is this? What are they doing? And she said, this is Broadway. This is the theater. And I said, I'm going to do that. And I never changed my mind. And wow. then when I was 13 and my voice changed, my mother found the best teacher in New York and who said, I, well, I don't take kids. And um, my mother said, well, let me just bring him in and let him sing for you. And you tell us if you think he has potential. And I went in and my teacher, Rose Allen, said, I will make an exception. I will take you because I think you're great. But if you don't work hard, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> so it put fear wow. of God into me. And I worked really hard. And I'm grateful to her for so many things. But one of them is it taught me work ethic. Mm -hmm. Like you, you mm. can't skip by. You just, you, you got to do the work. If you don't do the work, mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. So... Our um, that was the first, and then two weeks after I graduated from college, I got my first Broadway show, Fiddler on the Roof. And the way I got it is because I cut classes in junior or senior year, went to open call auditions and thought, I'll learn how to audition. I don't care if I flop, I'm not going to leave school. And so sometimes mm -hmm. I was good and I'd figure out how to be better. And sometimes uh, I wasn't so good and I figured out how to be better. So um, two weeks later, I, a week after I graduated, I said to my teacher, how come I'm not on Broadway yet? She said, they weren't lining <laughs> up for you, Bob. It'll happen. Be patient. And a week later, it happened. You have to wait till so, after you graduate. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's how oh my gosh. I started. Bob, you, you mentioned um, uh, Rose Allen, who I'm not super familiar with, but I also saw, um, I think Sue Seaton is another teacher that you, you mentioned, I think, or I saw like on a bio. So those two teachers and you being a teacher now, what, what did you kind of, what do you kind of see in, in, in the world of like teaching that you learned that you tried to like give to your students? What do you kind of see as like a through line, obviously work ethic, are there, are there other things that, that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, they really taught me a technique that I've used since I'm 13 years old, which I teach in my classes uh, through exercise. Yeah. And they yeah. also taught me about choosing the right material for you and your image mm. and your age mm. and your persona and not just choosing a song because you want to show off your voice. Because mm. what, what people really feel from casting directors to creative teams is um, they can tell you can sing after like four bars and that you're solid or not solid. But then they move on to the other place, which is what can this guy tell a story? 
can he move mm. us? Because we're going to hire him to tell a story in our show. So if he can't tell a story mm. in the room, as good as his voice may be, I'm going to keep looking. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's very important. And I do a lot of work with emotional arcs of the song and how to personalize the song so that you're not, yeah. I always say to people, they'll say, well, the girl in the show, the plot is blah, blah. I said, you're not in the show. <laughs> you're just mm -hmm. not in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's you and you ha yeah. we have to figure out how to personalize this song for you so that mm. we can feel you. Otherwise, you're just duplicating somebody else's work. That's really interesting. Do, do you yeah. find it to be different when it comes to like opera versus contemporary? Like, do you find it as a different approach or are you still just like, you have to be in it. You still have to feel connected or like to be personal still. I mean, I adapt to whatever I'm working with. For instance, I've done a lot of movies uh, and I did American Horror Story with, um, did Grey Gardens with Drew Barrymore and um, Jessica Lange. And it was very interesting working with the two of them because they both said from the beginning, I'm not a singer. You know, Drew said, when I sing, I sound like two cats screwing. I mean, I just I said, when I go to birthday parties, people ask me not to sing happy birthday. But, but we had to get it together. And Jessica was the same thing. She said, my whole family is musical and I'm, I'm just not. So I never went there. Mm. So if you don't think mm. I can do this, we'll hire somebody and I'll lip sync. But in both cases, I felt they could do it. And I worked with them not as singers. I worked with them as actors. So I would always go through, where are we in this film? What's preceded this scene for this character? What is the scene about intention-wise? And let's work on that first. And then we'll work mm -hmm. on the music because mm -hmm. an actress and an actor knows that world. So they don't feel insecure. They're very mm -hmm. grounded in that world. But for new singers who are actresses who are very experienced, it's a little nerve wracking. So I got mm -hmm. them comfortable first as actors. And then I said, okay, now we're going to break down the song and how you breathe and how you work your mouth and how you relax and how you do range. And it's a very interesting story with Drew. Drew is a very visual person. So in her house, she has these shelves with all of these photographs, some of which she took and some of which she bought. And she said, I, I now get how to place my voice, but I don't know when I go up or down until I miss it. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I went home and I took these uh, poster boards and I wrote out the lyrics and I wrote dots for each syllable. So mm. she knew before she went there, whether to go up or down. And I said the next day, can we just take all the photos down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put these up and she was like on it. And she said, mm. I'm taking these into the recording studio when we do the pre-record. And it worked. So, you know, you have to find, it's a personal thing with each person, what their journey is going to be and how to get through to them. And also how to time-wise allow them the, the arc to get there as soon as possible. 
because people can sometimes get frustrated if they're not musical. And then I have people who are unbelievably musical, who are, you know, just a matter of sort of molding and sculpting things. But I always say, let's let's get this emotional arc right first. Because then, mm -hmm. and we'll do the technique. So I work technique, then emotion, and then presentation, which is how the body and the voice are connected. Because if you just stand there and you're singing brilliantly, it doesn't mean anything. It's one entity. Mm -hmm. I, I was oh, so, I remember. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, was, I was just gonna say, like, I was so excited to have you on, Bob, because like, I, that was my biggest question, and you, I didn't even ask it, and you answered it so beautifully. Because I was like, how do you like? I'm a lot like Drew Barrymore, where I cannot sing, <laughs> so I'm like, how would I? Like, I, there's so many actors I know who aren't at that place, and like, how do you get there? Like, what, what, and I think it's so cool that you're able to find per person, and even like creating a new way to like read the music or be able to hit the notes that you need to hit before it even comes, like. I don't know that like that fascinates me in ways that like I've been always curious like my whole life I just went whenever I watch a musical whenever I watch things I'm like how did how could like uh, like I don't know you work with Gerard Butler but it's like how did Gerard Butler do that <laughs> you know it's like such a beautiful song like how did that come from him like uh and I always wished I could do it but it kind of gives me inspiration that I can if with the right training and the right teacher obviously there's no question about it. I mean, a lot of the people that I've worked with are dancers and actors who are beginning singers who've never sung in public before. And so I love working with them because I can see their improvement quickly because they're so disciplined mm -hmm. as actors and dancers. And then I've worked with people who are, you know, like Jerry Butler and Jessica and, and, um, and uh, Kathy Bates and Drew Barrymore, you know, a lot of people who are so immersed into that character, mm. being connected to that music. And, mm. I, you know, it's interesting. There is one person uh, who's very famous, who um, I was supposed to work with, and she canceled on me four times. And I told the director, I don't think she's going to do this movie and she, I won't tell you who it is. And she wound up not doing the movie. And I, he said, how did you know that? And I said, when I have never had a cancellation from, from an actor who's doing a film um, ever for any reason, because they don't want to embarrass themselves. Mm. And the way to not embarrass yourself is to really do the work. I had this one yeah. fabulous story. I was in the uh, studio with Jessica Lang and we were doing David Bowie's Life on Mars. Oh, wow. She called me up and she said, Ryan Murphy wants me to do Life on Mars. And I said, okay. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go there. So we did, we worked on the song for a couple of weeks and then she couldn't get that last note in her belt voice her strength, mm -hmm. only in her head voice. And I said, don't worry about it. We'll do it in your head voice and we'll work our magic in the studio. So the day came, we worked during the day, we finished the vocal and I said, okay, you're done. We have whatever you need. But before you go, I want you to try that last note in your belt voice. And what I want you to do is take your whole body and go, Mars, and just like draw your hand, your fists down like, I'm going to do this no matter what. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We have what we need. She said, okay, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So we got to the thing. <laughs> Mars! And she did it perfectly. And I went, you rock. You rock. Oh, that was such an exciting moment, you know? 
Bob, with that, I, that's an amazing story. And I love that moment. You, you, when I'm thinking about it and I'm listening to you, you're like inspiring me and you're also so positive. I'm curious because that's an interesting thing of like instilling confidence, especially when you're dealing with actors and that positiveness. Uh, is that something you have kind of always had, you know, that, that, that positive energy and that, that, that confidence to help others? Yeah, that's definitely in my DNA. There's no question about it. And, you know, I feel like if somebody is not confident and you don't bring that to them, they're not going to be able to to make it work. Like, you know, somebody will say, I don't think I can hit that note. And I'll say, honey, if you don't think you can hit that note, you're not going to hit it. Yeah. You have to you have to you have to use your body and throw your arm out like you're throwing a ball. You have to mm. do things that make it definitive. The other thing, I mean, it's my secret and john you know this for having worked with me to me the way to relax people is with humor mm. you have to mm -hmm. you have to have humor in the room or people get very stiff and tight and they think oh i can't do it and they get nervous that to me is vital especially with people who haven't sung before or people who are actors uh, and have done a lot of movies, and but just aren't musical or musically inclined. Yeah, Jerry Butler was so determined to make Phantom work because he loved that music. I mean, he fought mm. for that role. He wanted that role. He was willing to do the work more than do the work because mm -hmm. it meant so much to him to do that. The other yeah. thing is that I have um, kind of a secret that I use which is I have everybody I work with, no matter what song they're working on, write a paragraph about that song and how it relates to them. And I have them answer five questions. Who am I singing this to? What's the history of our relationship? What's the intention? How do I hope this song will impact or alter our relationship? Where are we? What are we wearing? And in a phrase, what's the message of the song? And I say, before you walk into that audition, you have to take out your paragraph and look at it. So you're in that zone when you walk in the room and not in the zone of, God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope I get it. <laughs> you know, they can't be in that thing of like, oh, I hope my voice is good today. And I'm, you have yeah. to be in the zone of that story. And I say, it's like running a movie in for us a movie that you've created. So it's personal mm -hmm. and real and honest and heartfelt. And because otherwise it's just, whatever you're thinking when you're singing is what we're feeling. If you're thinking, I don't know if I have it today, that's what we're gonna get. So we don't wanna go there. Corbin, I remember when I came to Bob and I'd done some singing when I was younger and sang for Bob and Bob's like, okay, let's, let's do some less singing. And let's do more acting. Let's find a song with less singing. <laughs> let's lean into your tore, acting. Tore you down immediately. <laughs> right? No, no in a, in a, in a, but, but I, but no, it's, it is funny. I kind of remember that I wasn't a great singer. I was okay. But what I remember with Bob that was lovely with what he's saying is, and with, with what you're saying, Bob, this is what ties it all together you were great about finding a personalization for me or for people or other people in my class of like, what is it that like kind of makes you, you, 
what is it that blends with this song versus like, okay, let's just shotgun you towards this thing. And I think that's a really interesting and a skill. It, it kind of gives, um, it's kind of like what I call it, like finding your gold, Bob. You know what I mean? It's like, how do we find your gold in this song or in this role or in this part? You know, how do you excavate that? You know? Right. I also do this thing with everybody. I don't know if you remember, but in order to make decisions about your career, I ask everybody that I work with to come up with three adjectives that they think best describes the way the world sees them. Now, that's not necessarily the way they see them, or it could be the same, but the way they think the world sees them. And then go to the people who are primary in their life, their, their wife, their husband, their kids, their friends, and ask them to come up with three adjectives that describe the way they see them and start to see if those things are in line because your decisions have to be made based on what you're sending out to the world so i'll give you, i'll give you a funny example when i was starting out in new york i was doing broadway shows but i was also doing cabarets afterwards after the show at night like 11 o'clock shows or 10 30 shows whatever and my choreographer and my musical director, when I first started the idea of doing that, said to me, well, how do you see yourself? And I, you know, like your image. And I said, well, I think I want to be known as the Warren Beatty of song. And my musical director said, mm, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. You're, you're not Warren Beatty. And so you should like let that go. And she said, who do you listen to? Like when you when you listen to the radio or buy CDs or what? And I said, I love Aretha Franklin. She said, that's not your lane. <laughs> that you're not going to be Aretha Franklin. So let's start defining what your image is. And that's what gave me the idea of coming up with these adjectives. And mm. I did that with my friends and my family so that mm -hmm. I could understand how I was seen. And one thing that I learned is a valuable lesson is um, I did Godspell on Broadway and I found that the audience really responded to my comedy. Like they, mm. re they, I got a lot of big, big laughs in that show. And I could sort of tell a lot about my image from that experience because Godspell was the sh kind of show where you could, you, if you had an idea, to change a parable, you could call a rehearsal or rehearsals and rework something. I mean, you use the same words, but you could you could switch the locale or uh, or the improv uh, style. So that was interesting to me. But I I found that to be a consistent thing. So that as I maneuvered through my career, I started doing for auditions a lot of comedy material, and that helped me get other work. So I think you have to know your lane, not be delusional about, about it, but just understand how people see you. Because when you're singing at auditions or acting at auditions, you're sort of saying how you're castable. So that casting, it's not to say that you're not versatile or that you're limited, but 
most people who are successful have a certain umbrella under which they live with their reputation and their image. And I, and I think it's important to face that. And Lucy Arnaz did my voice gym once. And I said, what advice do you have to a young actors and singers? And she said, don't try to be like somebody else. They're, they're doing that. Be you. And if you don't know who you are, find out. Mm. And I thought that was really good advice. Mm -hmm. mm. Great advice. Bob, what, what caused the transition from being in New York to, to L.A.? I'm always curious just because I think there's such a strong L.A., New York connection and stuff like that. And usually yeah, there's a it was the wildest, else. wildest thing. Uh, if if you had said to me that you could have predicted this, I would have said you're out of your mind. So I'm in New York and I'm trying to get a record deal. And I had three offers, but all the record companies said you have to start writing your own songs. Or else, you know, the deal you're going to get is not going to be major. Maybe you'll get a singles deal. So my musical director told me about this girl downtown who was singing, singer-songwriter, and he said, you should write with her. And I went to see her. I was bowled over. And I said, Marsha, I'm Bob Garrett. She said, oh, I know who you are. I saw you in Greece. And so she said, I said, do you ever collaborate with people? Because I think you're like, you're it for me. I mean, I, I, I would kill to work with you. And she said, sure, honey. So she gave me her card. And it was the first of what became 42 songs that we wrote together. But after we had written three or four a&M Records flew us out to L.A. and to write for some of their other artists. And um, I was just in love with L.A. and the idea of being a staff songwriter. So while I was there, I went to a weekend retreat. I was there for like a month with a friend of mine. He said, oh, come with me. It's a songwriter showcase, blah, 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 with all the top record companies. So I said, okay, so you, you brought your cassette and they put it on a roulette wheel called Cassette Roulette and you couldn't put your name on it, but the lyric was in the cassette and they take it out and play it. So most of them were playing literally a verse and a little bit of a chorus and then they'd stop. Mine, they played the whole song and I was like sweating and I was thinking, what's going on? And by this time, I'd only written four songs with Marsha. That's it, very early. So the guy said, he played my whole song. He said, whoever wrote this, I want to see you afterwards. This is a hit song. Oh, so I go up to the guy. I said, I'm Bob Garrett. I wrote that song. He said, here's my card. I want you to call me on Monday and play me some other tunes. Okay? Wow. So I go in on Monday and I played three of my four songs, right? He said, I want to be by these two. I don't know what possessed me, but it's like, dive in. I said, they're not for sale. And he said, <laughs> what? I said, they're not for sale. He said, well, then what, what are you doing here? And I said, listen, I'm moving to LA the end of the summer. And I want to be, I want to have a home and I want to have a job. And I want to be a song staff writer here. He said, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. I said, neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> so he said okay here's what i'll do i'll have you write one song with 
three of our staff songwriters. And if we like the songs and they like you, we'll sign you. And they did, and I did. I signed. So that that's what got me to Los Angeles. And what was thrilling about it, because I was very young and I hadn't, I, I mean, I've written four songs or something. What was great about it is walking around the halls were Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and Diana Ross and you know all these icons, these legends. And I was in the same place as them. I was the only honky there, but <laughs> it was thrilling because I learned my craft by observing and listening and watching. And mm. it, it was a thrilling time. How is that process? Was that like? it? Uh, sorry, John. Yeah, I think we're uh, probably thinking the same thing. But I was curious, like, uh, how when it comes to like staff writing, like when you're in that room, because that's new to me, and I'm, I'm sure it's new to a lot of people. What is what is that like when you're like in that? What what are the steps? What are the things that you do and talk about in, in those spaces? Well, my contract was one song a week, uh, forty five songs a year. Wow! Off for Christmas and Thanksgiving, a couple of things. <laughs> Um, you don't write with a staff. You write with um, a collaborator that you're looking to work with. Um, in my case, I would come up with melody and lyrics, at least something to walk in with. Like I'd write lyrics for a verse or a chorus, come up with a little melody. And then I wrote with composers who were really adept at playing piano or guitar and, you know, could. Oh, cool. um, so I usually came, I always came in with at least a title and a few lines. And that's part of what the process was with this movie that I've just written because I wrote it with nine composers, each in charge of a different character. And most of them I had worked with before. So that was sort of a smoother ride because we didn't have to establish a camaraderie. Um, but in each case, the scene that I wrote delineated what the song was and I always had a title and in some cases had more than that um, and that was thrilling but the staff writing thing works for, and I glommed on to like two or three people I didn't write with all the staff the composers sure there. yeah <laughs> so um, Bob with what you just mentioned right now like do you still sing obviously you you teach and 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 then you're working on this project um what's kind of like how do you kind of you know uh, either tell us a little more about the project or how do your your time now i'm curious well um i'm doing uh these voice gyms as a matter of fact i have a voice gym starting next monday oh great. anyone wants to book it it's really cool it's a really cool thing because what, what my agent friends have told me is actors are usually not prepared for singing auditions because they get one or two days notice about singing audition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I devised, and I would have clients coming in here and say, I have to have a song by tomorrow. The, the, this team wants to hear that I can sing and I don't know what to sing or what the key is or what the words are. And so I devised this voice gym. And what it is, is I send 20, 15 to 20 song selections to the person I'm working with, who I meet with first for a few minutes. And then they choose the songs that I think are right for their image and they and their voice. And they choose five songs from the 20 
in different categories, a Broadway up-tempo, a pop up-tempo, a Broadway ballad, a pop ballad, and a comedy song. So that whatever is asked for film, television, or Broadway, they have a song in that category that's right for their image and that they feel confident with because we've worked on it technically, emotionally, and presentationally. So they could get, you know, a, an audition a day before, hours before you have to come in and sing today. And they have something that fits them, that they know, that they feel confident with. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that and that's been really cool. And then at the end of each voice gym, I have a famous person come in and just talk to them for a few minutes about their advice. And, and it's been amazing. I've had unbelievable people because I started this during the pandemic. So everybody was free. Mm -hmm. so I had Tony Award winners. I had Oscar winners. I had Grammy winners coming in. It was just amazing, amazing, amazing time. Um, so I'm, I'm doing that, the voice gyms. I do privates. Um, I do films. I just um, did a film last year with Elle Fanning, which was the third time mm. I with her. And she is off the chain, one of the nicest and most talented people I've ever known. Um, so um, I've got a couple of movies that are going to come up in the spring that I'm going to be doing. And then I wrote this, this movie. I wrote the script for this movie and Franny Goldie is my partner. And she put together the staff of writers and um, some of the songs. She had a few songs in her catalog that as I wrote the, the movie, I'd read her the scene because she's my partner. And she'd say, you know what? I have a song in my catalog that would be perfect for this. And mm. it was unbelievable because she she's just been nominated for the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And she wow. also has a new single out on Bruce Springsteen's album. So she's like top of the heap and knows everybody and brought in the most amazing people. Um, so that's been a thrill because it's so, it started out as a Broadway musical. We were pitched the idea by a producer and we had just about finished it. But when the pandemic happened, um, I said, I think I need to adapt this to a film because we don't know when Broadway's coming back. And I don't want to wait. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, during the pandemic, that's what I did. I adapted it to film. And honestly, it's a much better film than it was a musical. So those are sort of the three areas, privates, voice gyms, and yep. songwriting. Okay. Bob, what... Um... We're kind of getting near the near the end here, and we have one special seg segment we like we like to get to. But before we get there, what kind of advice would you give, or do you give, to someone who's newly moved out to like Los Angeles and is interested in like acting and singing? What 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 is kind of something you would, you know, tell a younger you, or tell someone that just got out here? Like what are some? Well, I'll go for the joke first, which Betty Davis, the famous actress, was once asked yeah. that question, and she said. Yeah. Take Fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a road for those that don't know. Exactly. Avoid right. the main streets. I love it. Yes. Beautiful. Right. It's a, the least crowded street to take. Um, yeah. yes. 
My advice is advice that I was given. Um, I'm sure you guys know who Uta Hagen was. You know, this mm -hmm. just incredible, incredible um, acting teacher and actress. And I studied with her in New York. And that was like beyond thrilling because she was legendary as a teacher and actress. And so when I was, I was in high school when I was studying with her and I got into these different colleges and I said, where should I go? And she said, darling, <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to go to a school in New York, okay? And here's why. She said, if you're interested in being an actor, you should be going to the theater every weekend and seeing every play and learning from the bad performances and the great mm. performances. And mm. so for me, with an actor who's moving from, from New York, who may, have had, may or may not have that experience, moving to Los Angeles, you're so lucky because you have YouTube, you have streaming services, you should watch movie after movie after movie and um, binge watch great series, etc., and really observe yeah. those performances, the great performances and sometimes the lousy ones and figure out why they're great and what approach that actor had to that particular role. And how would you have played that role? And what what's your takeaway from what they did? And because we grow as artists by seeing great artists, exploring mm -hmm. ourselves through, you know, acting and singing class with me. Um, <laughs> but, but most of all, it's that observation. And what's amazing is we have so many ways of doing that now between, mm. you know, Google and YouTube and streaming services and turn to classic movies and, you know, see the greats. Why were they great? What made them great? You know, so that you really can plan your career and say, where do I fit in? What's my lane? How can I work to my greatest limit to make sure that I'm doing my best work? The other thing I always say to people is, try not to live comparatively. Like, am I as good as Marlon Brando? Am I, am I as good as Brad Pitt? Am I as good as you know, Scarlett Johansson or whoever. Mm -hmm. That's not an issue. You have to be as good as you can be every day making progress. Mm -hmm. Your comparison is with you and you. Forget mm -hmm. those other people. They're, they're on their journey. You're on yours. So what you have to figure out is, am I better because of my work today than I was yesterday? And because of my work, will I be better tomorrow than I was today? Mm. It's everything. Beautiful. If we're not Beautiful. growing, our life just stays stagnant. I, I love that, Bob. And I, the word I've been thinking of recently is I feel like artists that are really, we're, we're seekers. You're seeking, you're seeking to be better. You're seeking to learn. You're seeking to go deeper. So with what you're saying, I, I love that about being better than yesterday and hopefully better, you know, tomorrow. That's part of the, the progress. It's everything. It's everything. I mean, that was always my idea. Even when I started to audition for Broadway shows, I said, I just want to get better. I just want to get better. And Al Pacino, who you worked with, will, would tell you the same thing. 
He said, uh, every time I'm out, I want to keep doing improv. I want to change the lines. I want to do everything I can. I just mm -hmm. want to be better. Mm. It's such a cool thing to aspire to that. Mm -hmm. You know? And um, the focus on your image has to be part of that. Mm -hmm. I love that, Bob. I think that's a great that's a great wrapping up. We ha we have one final segment just for some just for some um, enjoyment. Uh, we call it your best, best bad, bad acting. So <laughs> your best what? Yeah. <laughs> bad acting, bad acting. So what we're gonna do, Bob? We're gonna send you a bad little quote. Acting, in, bad yeah. acting, I call smacking. <laughs> okay, so your so your your best smacking, your best smacking. Um, Corbin, we can shorten the title now. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> Corbin. Corbin's gonna Corbin's gonna send you in the chat uh, uh, like a a quote from a movie. It's not that long. And Bob, the goal is um, you can kind of act it, but have fun with it. And if you if you know what it's from. That's fine, but the idea is not to recreate it. The idea is um, uh, 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 this is from a, a, a really bad comedy, Bob. Can you can you find it? Just when I think you couldn't possibly need dumber, you go and do something like this and totally resume. It's not Dumb and Dumber, is it? It is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it is Dumb and Dumber. Yes. <laughs> okay, so 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 Bob, the idea is you can. Here's the thing. You can, we might give you, like, you could do it with a Southern accent. You could do it as like a, whatever. You can have fun with it. The point is to go over the top to, to just play. That's all. And oh, we might give you a it? redirect. Yeah. You're going to say it, like act it like you, this is an audition. And then we might give you a redirect on it or something just for fun. It's just so for I fun. can do anything I want. Mm -hmm. Anything you are. Just when I think you couldn't be possibly any drummer, <laughs> go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love it. I, I got to get in, Bob. I feel like we need to, can you do a little bit of a musical version of this? I mean, I think there's something fun there. I don't know if that's what that means. Uh, uh, singing a little bit, I don't know, a little, little, little rhythm. I don't know. Just when I think you couldn't be possibly any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. Beautiful. <laughs> so, so beautiful. So good. So I'm on the spot, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. I know. I know. I, I warned Corbin. I said, Bob might just say no to me. I might be like, you know, Bob, what do you do? He's like, no, I will not. No. Uh, so that's something I believe in career. Never say no. Oh. Just, hmm. Say yes. Just say, say yes. yes. Just keep say growing yes. and say yes. That was awesome. Oh, my also, God. Isn't that good? Do a yeah. plug for me. I have two slots in my voice gym. So they yeah. can email me at bobgarrett5 at gmail.com if they're interested. Perfect. Beautiful. Get get that out here. Yeah, we'll 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 put a link to that, too. Um, I don't know. I think that's that's all on my end. Corbin, do you have any other any other questions for or no, thoughts for, for you, Bob? This has been Otherwise, so great, Bob. Thank you so much. I just think you guys are awesome, and I think you should have your own talk show. <laughs> we do that's what this is pretty much no, I, we appreciate I mean, that i mean, network. Is, I mean network. Network. yeah no no well we appreciate that we we really enjoy it and and we're so glad you're here bob your energy enthusiasm passion it just like shines through really and and it's funny because i haven't seen you in a while but 
when I was talking to Corbin about, about guests and people and you popped in my brain, I was like, Bob's going to be amazing. And you were. So oh. thank you so much for being here and, and just bringing, bringing everything you bring really. So thank you. Thank for that. you guys too. And say hi to your wife and Quill. And I hope the house works out well. And uh, yeah. thank you for making this a memorable day. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Bye, Bob. Bye. Great, Bob. Nice job. Good work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Moon and Spotlight Podcast.